tab groups is like, let's hide the clutter. And it's like, no, 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 no. They want the clutter. That's what you're, you're misunderstanding <laughs> there. <laughs> Welcome to Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison, and developer conference season continues this week with Apple's annual WWWDC conference. Myself and Adam actually went live right after the event in Twitter Spaces to discuss all of the recent announcements and what they mean for brands. So this week's episode is a special cut-down version of that conversation. So without further ado, let's jump right in. everybody welcome to our twitter spaces we're breaking down uh wwdc that just happened uh about what 15 minutes ago it it just ended and, and as adam mentioned it was a complete fire hose of announcements so adam do you want to start with facetime yeah ios 15 had th- had three four four tent poles Tenpole themes. The first one yeah. was staying connected, uh, and it was about improvements to uh, <laughs> FaceTime and messages. And it really felt like like FaceTime has really not gotten a lot of love uh, over the years um, since it was released. Yep. And it really felt like uh, I think rightfully so they they looked at, at the past year and were were thinking you know FaceTime really ha- has been super useful for communicating with family. N- pretty much never used in a work context, despite the fact that we're all on video right. and audio calls all the time. Uh, so they really like went down the list and we're like, what? Okay. If we're going to, if we're going to pay attention to FaceTime, let's just add every feature we could possibly think of. <laughs> <laughs> they looked at Zoom's product catalog and was like, okay, let's add the ones that, that make the most sense. Um, personally, the one I really enjoyed was the FaceTime links. Oh yeah. Which now allows you to send out a link and schedule a FaceTime that'll go into a calendar invite. So that instead of just having to call somebody, you have the ability to schedule a FaceTime more so like a traditional video call, um, which I think was a great product announcement adapting to, to your point, how we've been living our lives for the past 18 months now. Yeah. Also because, you know, I think, I think it's, it's great because FaceTime is actually generally pretty high quality, both in terms of audio and video. And, uh, so it actually might, you might start to see it be used in some of those circumstances where zoom is sort of the default important part of that though, is that also those FaceTime links will work on the web so you can access them from windows and Android. Uh, as you may may recall, when FaceTime was first introduced, Steve Jobs promised it was going to be uh, so it was going to be open sourced as a standard, so that that it could be accessed uh, via apps for Windows and, and Android. That didn't quite happen ever exactly. Uh, he he <laughs> apparently just made that up right before he got on stage. But uh, it is now going to be accessible via the web, which is is useful. So uh, if you are a primarily Apple uh, device user, you can can force your Android friends to uh, to FaceTime with you. <laughs> Just one more way to rope them into the Apple ecosystem. Some other announcements uh, within the FaceTime, uh, this kind of product suite was they have some updated views. So they have like a grid view now. They have portrait mode. So it's a way to make you look great on your FaceTime calls, blurs the background, really focuses on the subject, which is you. So those are kind of like, like, like the standard updates that were going on the FaceTime. But the two most exciting ones here come through SharePlay. And this is something that I think we've been talking about um, for a while now, which is the idea of co-viewing. So SharePlay now allows you to actually 
either uh, listen to music together on a FaceTime call with an individual uh, or even uh, works with streaming services to actually do a kind of co-viewing experience for a TV show. So I know, Adam, this is something that we talk about all of the time Yeah, uh, when it comes to... <laughs> you know, how people are going to be like thinking about hanging out uh, in a digital world. Uh, and to me, this is just a big announcement for that kind of like consumer intention and yes. these digital third places that are being developed. So I think it's very cool that they didn't, you know, just go to the obvious thing of, of straight up screen sharing. It is integrating, uh, using a special API that is, they, they sort of talked about this later, is available for third parties to do things like sync playback of media. So obviously it's shipping with uh, the Apple TV app and Apple Music out of the box, but any th third party uh, video or, or audio player can actually use SharePlay to sync up playback of that content. It, it's using sort of the new notification saw, the little pills that pop up when you like connect your AirPods to your device to show you people coming in and out of the, the shared experience. So if you start a SharePlay session and you invite some people and you know somebody isn't there right when you start and they hop in later it pops up it'll even pop up on your apple tv screen uh if you're right. you can airplay the video content to your apple tv then you have your your phone or your ipad there with the facetime and you can you know be chatting and messages and then airplaying to your apple tv for the actual video content you still have to have that phone in your hands but other than that it is like <laughs> pretty much the closest to an ideal uh i think co-viewing experience that, that you possibly can have. And, you know, even though it is, uh, you know, uh, as I said, it is open to third parties, they are shipping uh, out of the box with Disney Plus, Hulu, HBO Max, Twitch, TikTok, Paramount Plus. So like a lot of a lot of the major services, obviously the big ones missing being Netflix and Spotify. Uh, but if they, you know, <laughs> if they do decide they want to support that, that, that is is going to be available for them in iOS 15. So I think SharePlay looks looks awesome. Also, finally, mm -hmm. screen sharing built into iOS. So that yes, like, yes, when my yes. parents have a problem, and I trying to like asking them to hold <laughs> the phone up to the camera on their Mac so that I can like try to walk them through something. Uh, that will be so nice to just be able to say no, <laughs> that, that button. Anything else with FaceTime, Adam, that, that stood out to you? Again, I think the SharePlay for me was the most exciting one there. Yeah, no, I think that that was, those were the big FaceTime announcements. Let's move on to messages. Messages. All right. So I think the big, the big thing here is the, the shared for you feature, which they talk yes, about this yes. as part of messages. It is using messages as the backbone for a larger, what I'm calling a, a play towards a, an Apple kind of social network. I think that they're, or that's how I'm thinking about it. They're really activating all of the different apps on iOS as this kind of deconstructed social network that is going to have mm -hmm. a common spine with messages and, and the shared for you content. So if somebody uses messages and sends you uh, a, a link uh, to like a news article, it'll then show up in a shared for you section in Apple News. If they send you a link to a music track, it shows up in Apple Music under shared for you. Um, and if they if they send you photos, those automatically go into your photo library and a special shared for you mm -hmm. album or shared with you album. Shared with you also will pull links into Safari. It'll pull podcasts into the podcast app. It'll pull, pull uh, long form video content into the Apple TV app. And then the 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 thing that makes it seem more social networky to me is that in any of those places you can also tap on the shared item see who sent it to you and then reply in line with it so it kind of creates a little bit mm -hmm. of a comment thread inside of those apps um which is interesting it's strategically interesting to me well why is that 
I think that they are looking at the jobs to be done of uh, of social networks like Facebook and Twitter and saying, how could we solve some of those jobs inside our own ecosystem? And uh, the one of sharing content is now that that content doesn't live necessarily on messages. It goes where you would be consuming that content otherwise. Now, I know, Scott, you said, for example, that you don't really use Apple News. So some of those things might get lost, but it sounds like those links will also show up in Safari. So like, if, if you use Safari, which I maybe you do, maybe you don't, but if you, you know, it's like news is probably the least used of those apps, um, but it also shows up in Safari. So it kind of gets you one one way or the other. <laughs> and we know that they also announced some updates to Safari, especially around tabs, like the tab groups. So I, to your point, I think there is going to be a way for these shared for you items to appear in multiple places. So for example, if you don't use use the main hub, which was featured on the show, which is a news app, uh, you will have some, you know, availability, making it accessible to to everybody. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're, I think that they're just building these social features into their apps under the idea that like, they don't want you to feel like you have to go to an external social network for those, if you just want to see links your friends are sharing, for example. Um, and being based off of messages is, you know, is, is sort of the, the modern way that we think about a lot of social interactions anyway, so... Yeah. All right. Well, that's messages. Shall we move on to some subcategories within that or around that are notifications. The most interesting thing for me, which I was excited about with notifications that we is we now have away messages uh, when you're in the new focus mode, which Apple has come out with. So basically this focus mode is um, a way for you to essentially take do not d- disturb mode and personalize it to different points or parts of your lifestyle. So you can have a focus mode for work where uh, you can only get notifications and messages from your coworkers or colleagues. uh, And then you can have a personal uh, focus mode where you maybe only get information or notifications about new updates to your photo stream from your family, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, And then within that, they have the ability to do away messages to kind of say, hey, call me or I'm busy. I'll I'll get back to you, uh, which is pretty exciting. But this, this idea of like a focus mode um, is kind of shifting in the ways in which a person's phone is going to be, you know, accessible um, at different points across the, you know, the day. Yeah, I, I love the focus idea. I think uh, I'm very curious to get my hands on it, on it and see how customizable it is. Uh, I think the big question right. there is... <sighs> I actually don't think they went far enough in solving the notification problem. Uh, there is this okay. notification. There is this notification summary that can show up to like give you an overview of the less important notifications. Uh, the the notifications that come directly from people, whether they come via messages or via a third party app like Slack, those are still going to mm-hmm. be prioritized pending your, your focus settings, uh, which hopefully you can customize them <laughs> so that like I could say when I'm working, Scott can send me a message regardless as to whether that's in Slack or Teams or iMessage or whatever. Uh, but right. you know, other people cannot. Um, hopefully that's how it works. Unclear. Um, I, I think that <laughs> I, I would like there to be a little bit more machine learning parsing of the third-party app notifications because third-party apps have 
really abused the notification system where you have an app like, let's say, Uber Eats. Uh, I'm going to call out Uber Eats, where you have to have notifications on so that you know when your food arrives and so you can like talk to the delivery person and stuff if, if there's a problem. But they spam you with with promotional notifications all the time. I would love, uh, either in app re- as part of app review or part of some on-device machine learning, for it to be able to say, oh, actually, that, that notification from Uber Eats is not that important, but this one is. Um, and I don't, mm. it, no signs that they're doing that yet. But this new notifications and system and focus kind of sets that up, but I don't think they're actually parsing the content of notifications yet. I think the systems are in place, but not 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 didn't go quite as far as I would like them to. All right, next up, um, I love this one, uh, live text. So this is a essentially their their first step into visual search, um, where it allows you to. Uh, take a photo, and then you can actually copy-paste any text that might be in the photo um, out of the image and put it into an email, into a message. Uh, You can even copy a number that is on a photo and call it directly. Um, And then on top of that, you can take pictures of pets or arts or um, other, you know, like landmarks, and it'll surface like an actual an overview or product information about those uh, items in the picture. So they're, like, they're really thinking about ways in which they can leverage the camera to be a bit more powerful uh, and helping with the everyday you know, search queries uh, and requests for information that a user might have uh, when it comes to their photos. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing that we've seen come from Google and from other from companies like Snap for yep. a while now. Um, it's great to see Apple starting to dip their toes into the water of visual search. Uh, I think that um, they're, they, they're doing sort of all the easy, obvious things, right? They will uh, allow you to search photos and, and sort of do do lookups on things like uh, like business names and animals and plants and art uh, and things like that. Again, this is all great. The next step would be a <laughs> plugin architecture so third parties can write or third party apps can plug into that uh, sort of live text level intelligence, and whether it's text or, or an actual object that it's recognizing in the photos. It's again, they're like catching up to the baseline where everybody started. But uh, at this point, companies like Snap are way ahead of them in terms of, of what they could do with their scan platform. So I, I, I think that this is the first step in a multi-year sort of visual search journey for Apple. <laughs> Yeah, it's exciting to see Apple do something, right? Because uh, I think from like a brand perspective, that gives us another touch point, you know, and more access to leveraging this camera uh, as a more powerful input device for, you know, um, our brands, our messaging, and how we actually can interact with our uh, customers, uh, you know, on their device. All right. Well, this was a big one, the wallet. Yeah. Adam, I'm going to have you kick this one off because you, as we were talking about before, are probably the most passionate uh, about, <laughs> the no, about the no wallet life. We're so close to not having to carry physical wallets anymore. Um, and they really, I really feel like they are getting impatient also because I feel like <laughs> the announcements were like, what physical things do we ever carry besides our phone? Let's try to kill them all as fast as possible this year. Uh, you know, they were, they were talking about um, the, the, the car keys idea that they announced last year and how that's mm-hmm. finally rolling out with ultra wideband support from BMW later this year. Uh, they're adding home keys, which as far as I can tell, it's just like, this is something that is 
technically uh, possible now using third-party apps. They're just bringing it into the wallet app, uh, and and it probably will work like car keys. Where you'll you will be able to use an NFC key and give it to you know send one to another person via iMessage, uh, things like that. They're also doing um, hotel keys, which again mm-hmm. have technically been possible in hotel apps for a while. They're really bad and clunky. So their Hyatt is going to be launching hotel keys and wallet, um, which is the right way to do it. Uh, it's to kind of Apple saying, look, all of this stuff is possible, but everybody's doing kind of a bad, messy job. So we're just going to, we're just going to do it ourselves and, and kind of force everybody to do it our way. <laughs> um, they are also working on identity cards. So this means your driver's license, as well as things like your work ID and things like that. Uh, they, they're working with apartment buildings and, and home builders and, and office buildings to get all those those tapped to enter uh, IDs and, and keys transferred into the new system. And then the identity cards, if starting in the US, it sounds like it didn't, I didn't see any international mentions yet for identity cards, but you will be able to scan your driver's license or state ID from asterisk participating states uh, <laughs> in the fall uh, and put your, your, your state ID into your phone. Um, it's very cool. And when you, the, the one thing they said is obviously they need to work with authorities to be aware that this is a thing. Um, Scott, you raised the question of like, what happens if you get pulled over for like yeah, by a traffic like, cop? Do you just give them like, like your phone and then they have access to your phone? Is there like a snapshot so, that appears? Like TBD. <laughs> Yeah, the thing that they did show is when you check in with the TSA at the airport, you tap it to something theoretically that the TSA will have. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed that they actually have it, um, and and then you <laughs> face ID, and it actually transfers information from your ID into the the TSA person screen so probably like when they scan your license uh you know whatever comes up when that happens it's probably a similar thing that they're doing there just with nfc but you do have to face id and it does show you what information is being transferred so they're, they're trying to build a secure and transparent way to, to to sort of do this i think that's important because i think the thing around government ids is that that's something that everybody is going to be paranoid about both on uh is apple or is somebody else going to be able to get this information if i put it in my phone and then also on the side of like like, well, if I do this, is the TSA going to be tracking me more somehow? Uh, like when I, for example, use the subway or enter my home or enter my office using the the new sort of tap to enter, tap, uh, you know, keys and wallet. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this, but I think all of these things are like a multi-year process. And this is just right. the first step in, in finally ditching physical wallets. How is that going to change like consumer behavior because it seems like apple is now building out like it used to be just a wallet for you know credit cards now it's becoming this like whole like identity on authentication hub uh for many different scenarios um and i just kind of think about like we know finance like financial brands were always competing to for kind of be like 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 this card on file uh and without the physical card there, it becomes, you know, just like a screen on your phone. Uh, so it seems like that's just going to continue to be accelerated as more and more of our physical cards that we would carry get transferred onto the, onto the phone um, and become less about what we carry and more about, you know, how fast can we tap or like what the default might be when you tap. Yep. So there was some redesigns to the weather app, which I think are better, but it, I, I don't know. It, it was still unclear to me. Like they, they bought Dark Sky almost two years ago. I was expecting, honestly, a little bit more when they put weather up on the, the screen as a, a major area of improvement. Eh, it's fine. It's prettier. It has more more data. Great. Uh, but then <laughs> <laughs> the the new maps. So they've been rolling out these new high-res maps uh, in 
in some in, in the U.S. and some other countries, then they're expanding those countries. Um, but they are the new sort of 3D view of the maps just looks incredibly detailed, but also stylized yep. in this interesting way. It looks to me so much like a SimCity map, um, but in a very like mm. kind of cartoony way. Like even when they were showing the high res landmarks, uh, they are kind of cartoony in a way that just. You could just imagine Memoji people walking through that city. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, so you're saying that it might be slowly developing towards, say, a Snap Map competitor. I oh oh I, we oh you know what? There's not a shared with you for maps, but I could see that happening in the future. That's a that's a good call. Yep. I love those slides that they put up at the end of a section that are like, here are the feature be, features we talked about, and a lot of other things that we didn't talk about. And you're scrambling to try to like. I was I was trying to take photos of them, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, just trying to like be like, what else is unannounced? One of the things that was unannounced for uh, for iOS 15 uh, that they they is was on the slide, but they didn't talk about was continuous location sharing for families and friends. So maybe they will show up in maps. Actually, they didn't talk about it, yeah. but it's possible. I could definitely see it happen. The other feature that they announced for maps, this is something that Google has previously announced, but it's now AR navigation for, for last mile. Uh, yep. So the classic example is you pop out of the New York City subway. Uh, you have no idea where you are. You go one block the wrong direction. You got to turn around and go the other way. So now you can walk out of the, the subway, uh, scan the world around you with your phone, and then it'll tell you which way you should be walking um, in AR. Uh, so again them is kind of playing catch up to what google had already um announced but for me personally as an apple maps user uh that would be great uh because now i can use that because i could never use the google product before <laughs> yeah I, I mean again you know in some ways playing catch up with google but uh in other ways like we we know that this is just the obvious next next step for maps in a lot of cases so well airpods airpods the first big announcement is about announcements, uh, is that now Siri will announce notifications in your AirPods. Uh, so really, again, as we think about, and we talked about this before, about this idea of like how, you know, audio might be the first form of, you know, massively available AR to consumers. Uh, this is just one more development where we're going to start to see notifications actually pop into your ear. Yeah, this is something that I've been waiting for since AirPods were first announced, because I do think that this uh, gives you... We, our friends at Foursquare, for example, had MarsBot Audio that they had launched yep. uh, a, more than a year ago. Um, and that was really sort of giving you audio notifications as you were walking around a city based on you know what, what you were walking past, like, oh, that restaurant is really great and your friend scott likes it for example um but this is will sort of give any app notifications the ability to be read over audio um, as you can have your messages read to you um so again i have questions i feel like the notification system needs to be improved for this to be really useful and for me to really want to turn this on <laughs> but it does integrate with with focus so maybe i can find a way to tune my focus settings and not have constant uh spam notifications see this is exactly what i'm saying you don't want uber eats to be interrupt the podcast you're listening to to tell you that you can get you know 20 percent off your next two orders or whatever like i it's a it's a prime example of why notifications needs to be a little bit better overall I think. <laughs> they also added spatial audio uh or announced that spatial audio would be coming to tv os uh this fall um which is a bit was a big question that a lot of people had because it was weirdly absent from tv os um they, mm -hmm. they added spatial audio basically everywhere um i we, we talked about it being in facetime uh it's it's coming to uh to mac os as well it's 
they're very excited about spatial audio. And actually, uh, as I recall, there's actually a special Apple Music spatial audio session happening right, right now. So there might even be more spatial audio announcements that, we, that we're missing <laughs> because we're here. Adam, the next thing I have on my list is privacy. My first thought about privacy was that all our newsletter companies um, as a channel are... All right, Apple's coming after you because that was essentially the that was like the main example they used um, was all about mail privacy protection uh, within the Apple Mail ecosystem, uh, and they actually got pretty granular about you know pixel tracking uh, and how the open rates are tracked on emails, how like there are pixels installed inside. Um, so like they're doing a lot of things to actually prevent the ability of, um, you know, advertisers to, to track those things. And on stage, they even mentioned ad platforms, uh, which I think was the first time ever uh, ad platforms were actually mentioned on stage when it came to privacy, from what from what I can tell. But it, again, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, because apparently I also didn't know Apple how to translate apps. So. <laughs> I, 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 that one I, I could... I'll, I'll give you that one. Um, I think you know. I think it's notable that this is only an Apple Mail. Uh, it obviously will affect a lot of iPhone uh, users. I think Apple Mail. They talked about it in the context of the Mac, but it it's mostly used by people on iOS. Um, so I think that's going to have a much more sort of larger impact on the, the mobile ecosystem than on the desktop ecosystem. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I think the mail privacy thing there was also the 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 app they're giving more details on sort of app privacy also so you will be able to see when an app a third party app how often it's using location access to your photos your camera your microphone your contacts and then also which third party domains it is sending data to which is really interesting i wonder how many like how how aware or how easy like that is going to be to like notice or find within the um you know, I guess like the, like, like the UI itself, because obviously, you know, as time goes on, I mean, understanding who and what and how you're being tracked is a priority for individuals. Um, and it seems like now it, they just have a button to kind of turn it off where it's like, nope, you can't share my information there anymore or here. And if you don't want to share anything, uh, they have a lot of interesting stuff coming out with a new iCloud plus product uh, that protects your, you know, privacy, even more deeply through which is basically an apple vpn um and their hide my email feature which obviously came out a few years ago um well the 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 hide my email thing has been around actually for a really long time icloud has supported uh email aliases forever they're just it it used to be super clunky you used to have to go to the icloud.com to to create them and change them and it's all being integrated into apple mail on your iphone so that you can do all of that sort of on a more mobile friendly way but the private relay is it's not exactly it's more or less apple's vpn uh and this is something that i i it's it's surprising to me that it's taken them this long to uh to to roll this out because it seems like uh given their focus on privacy it seems like an obvious thing a lot of people use vpns uh globally i have a lot of questions as to how this is going to work in um in countries where VPN usage is not uh, universally welcome, let's say, uh, <laughs> like I just wonder if a company the size of Apple offering it will mean that it is turned off in certain places uh, and not available. But together, there's private relay, this hide new improvements to to sort of email aliases, this hide my email feature, uh, and more 
HomeKit Secure Video. All of that together is the new iCloud Plus tier, which is really just them renaming their paid iCloud tiers. And they're not raising the price. Those are included on all paid iCloud plans, which start at, I think it still starts at 99 cents a month for a paid plan. Yeah. So that's what Apple's doing with iCloud Plus uh, and and privacy. As we know, there's a they're kind of leading the industry in how and what ways products are built for consumer privacy. Adam, what do you want to go into next here? We, we, we have some options. Um, let's, do, let's do health and watch OS. Oh, how they break it down, I believe it was three new products that they wanted to talk about. So it was mobility, labs, and trends. Um, yeah, kind of and like, then... Like, like the tent poles. And then some other stuff. <laughs> and, then and, some some sh- <laughs> some, and then some sharing stuff. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, the family, yeah, the, the family health plan, which I thought was pretty interesting. So, um, so first up under like mobility... One of the new features that they are bringing to the health app is this idea of walking steadiness. Uh, So this is a way for your phone uh, or even your watch to track how steady you are as you walk uh, to predict essentially any potential fall risks. Um, So it trains and learns off a number of complex data points and algorithms and technology that's built into the iPhone and the watch uh, to basically understand your gait, your how fast you step, um, your heart rate when you're walking at a steady pace, um, and it kind of puts all this together into the actual um, health app to give you a read on your walking steadiness and even use that as a potential uh, data point and indicator for, um, like I said, at-risk falls, but it seemed like potentially even other um, health issues when it comes to like how you're positioned or how you're balanced um, as a person. Yep. And it will give you insight into that. And, and I think this was kind of a, a concrete, a backway way of talking about a, a feature that applies more broadly in health, which is trends, um, where mm-hmm. uh, any of your health indicators that are tracked in the health app, it now watches for when they shift significantly and especially shift into different categories. So for example, if your mobility decreases or if your... Um, uh, uh, one new thing that the, the watch is going to be able to do is track your um, your uh, respiratory rate while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. If that yep. changes, it means you might have be you might be ill. Um, it will notify you that hey, your you know your your mobility is decreased, and then off, it actually is proactively offering some suggestions about what to do about that. At least for some things, they say for for mobility, right. it will give you exercises to do to improve your mobility. Uh, I don't know what it's going to tell you if your respiratory rate changes. Probably call your doctor. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's an exercise you can do for that. <laughs> yeah, but it does look like the, those trends, along with the feature that they are announced for lab which is that depending on the electronic medical records your doctor or hospital is using, you can receive your lab results right in Apple Health. Um, And if you do that, it now doesn't just show you the raw results. It actually includes detailed descriptions and context to help you understand that data, which I think is actually really important uh, because even though a lot of times when you see it from the doctor's office, it's literally just a page full of numbers. um, Yep. Like, what's the first thing you're going to do is you're going to be like, well, are these numbers normal? (laughs) And I'm going to go to Google and type them in and be like, all right, where where do I rank on the average? Exactly, exactly. And so and and of course, then if they are abnormal, is it like, am I like one or two points high or am I like 50 points high or whatever? Uh, So I think that adding that context is actually super important in terms of making sure people get the right context and information about their Mm -hmm. their health. 
Yeah. And I think that's, so that's a space that, you know, when we look at it from like a brand perspective, especially in, in, in the healthcare space, providing that context is such an open opportunity to provide value to your consumers. Like we know people need help here. Like Apple is working on it in some way, shape or form with their program or with, with their information within their app. But like that, just idea of analysis, um, I think still to this day has a lot of, you know, open opportunity and work to be done to help individuals, you know, better understand their results and what they can do to actually, um, improve their health. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of that, they, they also are introducing a couple of ways to share your health data. So first is a way to share your health data from the health app with your doctor. And this is again, something that is Apple has actually had a framework for, for secure sharing of health information with doctors for several years now called, um, care kit, uh, for private secure communication around health data between patient and doctor. It really seems like, like with the wallet stuff that they were just getting tired of waiting for people to actually implement it. And they were like, we'll just do it ourselves. Uh, so <laughs> they are working with six providers of, uh, electronic medical records, and it will be a way for you to take your information from the health app, uh, from your, your watch and your iPhone and any other data that gets synced into that health app as sort of a central repository and to share it with your doctor. And you can pick, you know, whether you can pick which data you're sharing and how often, and not how often it's shared, but if it's shared one time or continuously. Um, and I think that that is, that is going to make a huge difference. We know that uh, an insane amount of data that is collected by consumers about their health is actually not shared with medical professionals, um, partially because there's not an easy way to do that. So this is solving at least mm -hmm. that, that portion of the process. They yep. also are allowing you to share your health data with your family or with your family members. Um, so I think this is, as someone who has um, aging parents, uh, I think this is really great that you can um, select certain categories of health data to share with people in your family uh, and that it will actually notify your family members when those trends change, um, which uh, I think that that is like exactly what I want for my parents these days. Mm -hmm. um, and totally. I think it's a, it's a very cool way to sort of keep, you know, obviously not everybody's going to want to do this with all of their family members, but I think in, in, when you have elderly parents or younger kids, it is a, a nice way to, to be able to keep track of what's going on with them. The last thing is to note is again, on one of those slides was blood glucose highlights. Oh yeah. I don't think they have flat out said that the Apple watch can monitor blood glucose levels yet i have to imagine it's something that, that they're working on but within the lab test results in the trend section that is one of the um lab results and tests that'll be monitored uh depending on um you know your your setup and how that all works yeah so this is something that we think is coming this fall we 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 have reason to believe that the new apple watch coming out in the fall will allow you to monitor blood glucose levels um, and that there might be some food tracking integrated into the health app mm -hmm. to sort of mm -hmm. probably to like tag, oh, this food did this to my glucose level. Um, so it, they mentioned blood glucose in a couple of places, which indicates to me that those those rumors are true and that, that this is something that we'll hear more about in the fall. So we'll definitely keep our eyes out for that because we do think that that might be a significant inflection point for consumers relationship to food and sort of how they choose mm -hmm. what, to, what to eat and how they, uh, how food choices evolve over time. Uh, we do think that's going to be an important thing that will be coming later this year. 
what's going on in the home? Wow, the the home section was just like a, a barrage of kind of disorganized <laughs> features, which I think is indicative of Apple's home strategy these days. Well, we know so again, we know for example that the 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 share time or the share screen, I already forgot the name of it. SharePlay. Um, SharePlay. We know that's going to come to Apple TV. Uh, and as you mentioned, you can use your phone as the view and chat with them. And you can actually view the the, the, the program on your TV. Um, Siri is now actually allowing you to play things from your Apple TV. So you can ask Siri to, um, you know, start your favorite show, play some music, all hands-free. So again, kind of bring that automation in, making it super easy. One, I think, thing that is a very big deal is uh, that Siri will be able to be integrated, Siri microphones will be able to be integrated into third-party devices. They showed the Echobee thermostat, which is sort of one of the, I think, the most the largest HomeKit compatible thermostats will be able to integrate Siri into it so you can talk to the thermostat. This is important because this is one thing that Apple has not, has really been holding on to is that they were controlling the microphone and speaker experience for Siri. And unlike Amazon and Google, um, who were letting anybody embed their assistance into uh, third-party devices. This was sort of the last thing that really was, I think, holding back Siri and, and HomeKit from wider adoption. And now that wall has fallen down as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think the walls are, are, are coming down all over the home ecosystems because they also did actually talk about on stage uh, Matter, which is the new uh, interoperability standard for connected home devices. Um, and they did call out the fact that Matter... Uh, that the home app and home kit will be able and Siri will be able to control um, any matter device uh, in the fall as that sort of that standard rolls out to the, every device. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we had been in a case in a lot of sort of three overlapping walled gardens and now all those walls are coming down in the home. <laughs> yeah. The, the home is, this, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting place. It seems like that's going to be, it's just like the hardest place for any one company to have a single grip or a hold on it because there's, there's so many just devices, uh, that sit inside a home that it's, I don't know. It seems like it's not as easy to own it. Um, yeah, I, I, we had been talking about it for a long time as a, as an, as a, an ecosystem play. And the, the idea being that it, it, it sort of further entrenches you in the, in each of the vendors ecosystems. But I think everybody's realizing that the biggest issue is compatibility with all of the many devices that you have. And yeah. it's just, better for the device makers if they can build to one standard they're not there's no way you're gonna you know if you're making a connected lock you don't want to have to certify against three different standards and matter gives them a way to certify with one standard that everybody then it's up to the user it's like which assistance do you want to use which app do you want to use you could theoretically you could decide you want to use the home app because you have an apple tv so you want to be able to access it on your tv but you want to use alexa for voice. And you could do that because in the future, in this mythical matter future, <laughs> everything will work together. So you can actually ch pick and choose the interface based on, on what's best at any given moment. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I think now it's less about trying to wall people into those ecosystems, but, uh, I think it is, um, more about, it, it's, it's less trying to wall them in and more about a, a comfortably keeping you there, right? It's like, we right. want our ecosystem to be accessible to you in all of these places, but we know we can't really, we can't use the home as a way to force you into the ecosystem. It has to be more open than that if people are going to use it. 
Well, Adam, it's it's 4.03, and I think we'll just jump to our last two uh, pieces of announcement from WWC. The first one is object capture. So um, iPhones can now produce 3D uh, captures of products just using your phone, uh, which I thought is great. So 3D assets, 3D images um, can always be captured and imported into um, essentially 3D rendering software to make 3D objects, uh, and it takes almost no no hardware to do now. All you need is a brand new iPhone that has that uh, LiDAR sensor. Well, in there. to be uh, to be specific, though, this is not a user facing feature. This is a developer feature that um, basically true. Apple Apple what Apple is doing is they are giving third party developers an object capture SDK or possibly a library. I'm not exactly sure because they didn't they didn't say what they were what exactly what it was, but the ability to embed object capture into their um, into their apps. So they don't have to, that's not a custom thing they have to make anymore or a, a third party thing that they have right. to embed. Um, it's built into the system. Obviously Apple's is going to be tightly integrated with the LiDAR sensors on newer iPhones and iPads. Um, you know, I think this is cool. Uh, it is again, one of those things that at some point I imagine this will show up in an Apple app. Uh, there's no Apple app that uses it yet. It's, uh, being used by, by Wayfair behind the scenes to scan their, their, uh, their, you know, homewares. And the last one, well, maybe not the last one, but in-app events. The two app store announcements, I think they're both super important uh, for any okay. of the, the brands we're working with who have apps in the store just to know about. Um, the first one is dynamic app pages. So the, the app pages in the product pages in the app store, you will be able to A-B test them and run sort of multiple creative versions of the uh, app pages at the same time and sort of see analytics on how they're performing, how they're converting. Um, that's something that obviously people do all the time on the web uh, or within their own apps. So it's really great to be able to see A-B testing added to the app store. And then the second one is the one that you were excited about, which I'm also more excited yes. about. But <laughs> The in-app events, in-app events, um, which is basically uh, you can now promote uh, an event on your app store homepage um, for whatever event you would like it to be. Now, we don't know if promoting an event on like an app homepage can be promoted within the app store itself. So TBD on that, but um, is a great way if you have a brand and you have an app and you're looking to host events, whether virtual or live, you now have an ability to do that right on the app store homepage, um, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. So this was showing everything from like a baseball game streaming in MLB to a Mario Kart event, live event that was happening. You can imagine that the live events that happen in like Fortnite and Roblox uh, would also be yep. prime things to feature there. Although maybe the Fortnite concerts aren't going to be featured by Apple anytime soon. Uh, but the uh, it gives you it shows up in the product page. It's obviously a timed thing. It shows up in the product page. Users can tap an icon to get notified when it's live, which is actually very useful. Um, and then yep. Apple will sometimes feature them and curate them to the front of the the store page. Um, so I'm curious to see how this how how many, how developers embrace it, how users embrace it. You can imagine that there is a sort of you know, tonight in the app store or tonight in apps or in your apps that shows up someplace, right? Uh, that it starts to integrate along with, it's interesting as our, so much of our television has and viewing has video viewing has moved to uh, be on demand and asynchronous. It's interesting to think about apps being and software being the place where the live content is happening actually. Um, but I don't know something, I'm just some, 
I don't know, wheels are turning there. I think it's, I think this is a very, it's a good thing based on what's happened over the past uh, couple of years in terms of, of the way that we're using software. But I, I'm curious to see how this is adopted both by developers and by users. Absolutely. But I, I think it was, you know, overall a lot of good developer tools as we would expect from a developer conference. Um, the user tools, lots of great stuff in, in iOS 15. The rest of it was a little more playing catch up, I think. Um, it seems like like the big hits were, were iOS 15 and then maybe some of the the, uh, the health content. And after that, it was a lot of playing catch up in a lot of areas and a lot of, we'll have to see how this plays out. Anything else from from the announcements that you know you think our brands and marketers need to know about? Um, it was an absolute fire hose of announcements, and we know that there are going to be more details to come throughout the coming week as more and more of these sessions get broadcast. No, I mean I think you know I think there's a lot of exciting stuff coming. A lot of the the, the low hanging fruit that we were expecting to get picked has been picked. Uh, so yep. you know we'll, we'll we'll see. I think there's uh, like I said, I think iOS 15. A lot of the social features are really exciting, and then. Um, you know, what's, what, what they're doing with wallet and health are building sort of ecosystems out of those two apps on the, on the, on the phone are really pushing us into a, uh, uh, the only thing you need is your phone future, which is one that I personally want. So awesome. Well, with that, I mean, shall we, shall we close it down? Thanks everybody for, for joining our Listeners, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of Floor 9. Uh, be sure to check out the Fast Forward on Medium about WWDC. It covers uh, additional announcements that we couldn't fit into this episode and into our Twitter spaces, so definitely go check that out. And of course, if you're part of our team's channel uh, and part of the Media Brands family, please jump in there. Let us know your comments, your thoughts about the event. If you have questions, we are happy to chat with everyone about it. And of course, if you're not on the team's channel, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. I am at T-I-P-P-I-E-R. Adam is at Adam J. Simon. Or reach out to the lab account, which is at IPG Lab. So thank you, everybody. It's been a heck of a developer conference season. And thank you, as always, for listening to Floor 9.